الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين استفى أما بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم من المؤمنين رجال صدقوا ما آهد الله عليه سبحان ربك رب العزة أما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد ومبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد ومبارك وسلم There is a word in our deen, it's called Sidq Sidq means to be true Sadiq means the person who is true So Sidq means to be true Sadiq is that person who is true Then another word comes in Quran, Siddiq Siddiq is what we call Mubalagha Siddiq means that person is really true. That person is intensely true. That person is Sarapai Siddiq. That person is true and true and true to the core of their being. Everything about them is true. That person is called Siddiq. Like Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq anhu. He was Imam of the Siddiqeen. The truest person ever in the history of humanity after the Anbiya alayhi salam ajma'in. So there's something in our deen about being true. This is why Nabi Kareem says, well, even about Allah subhanahu even about Allah subhanahu it is said in Quran that he who was more siddiq, who was more sadiq than Allah ta'ala, about Nabi Kareem salam, he was known even before Nabi as as-sadiq, as-sadiqul ameen, the one who is the person of truth. And our deen is also true. So Allah ta'ala is true. Nabi Kareem salam is true. Deen is true, so the mu'min who believes in these things must also be true. Our Azad Urdu firmate, ki hum satche deen ke jhoote perukar hai. Hmm? Hum satche deen ke jhoote perukar hai. Means Allah Ta'ala is true, Nabiya Kareem Sam is true, Quran is true, we are untrue. We are untrue followers of the truest Allah Ta'ala, truest Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, truest deen and truest Quran. This is why Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa he said in hadith that a mu'min can be many things but a mu'min can never be a liar. A mu'min can never ever be a liar. Other things in this is a mu'min can never lie. A mu'min can never take lying slightly. A mu'min can never deliberately lie. Then in another hadith the Prophet said that if a believer keeps lying and they keep on lying and they keep on lying then Allah Ta'ala writes their name as Kazab. Allah Ta'ala unka naam jhooton ke feris mein lagte te. Allah Ta'ala writes his name as Kazab. Allah Akbar. He doesn't know. And he keeps lying. And then he tries to cover up his lies by telling more lies. He tries to conceal his lies by telling more lies. So this is a problem. Your lies will always catch up with you. Sometimes we make a mistake that we tell a lie and we take it lightly. First problem was lying is that you always have to remember what you said and who you said it to. Hmm? Yes, because in order to cover up your lie and conceal your lie and make sure you don't get caught, you always have to remember what you said and who you said it to. And Barakah of Sidq, you don't even have to remember what you said and who you said it to because you have to say the truth. So you don't have to keep it record that I have said this You don't have to remember that. So this is the barakah, the ease of being true. 
then you should understand that your lies will always catch up with you. You can never pull it off. You can never successfully lie. Lying is that sin that Allah Ta'ala makes it catch up with the person in this world. There are some sins that Allah Ta'ala may punish us in this world, definitely punish in Akhirah. Lying is one of those sins that you will definitely face the jaza in this world and have to face the consequence in Akhirah. مَنْ يَأْمُلْسُوا أَنْ يُجْزَبِهِ That whomsoever does a sin, any wrong deed, will have to face the consequence of that wrong deed one day. So this is the nature of lying. Then, also Allah Ta'ala will make that if you lied for some reason, like you lied for some gain, for some purpose, for some victory, Allah Ta'ala will take out the barakah of that gain. Allah Ta'ala will take out the barakah of that victory. You will end up losing. It may appear to you that you're winning. It may appear to you that you gain. No, you will end up losing. It may appear to you that you got the benefit of the lie. It will end up in harm. Eventually, Eventually, you have to deal with the negative consequences of lying. So, how important is this truth? The best way you can understand this is that after Anbiya, the greatest rank is of those who are called Siddiq. Allah says in Quran, That they are the ones who are the Siddiqun. So who are the Siddiq? So when we make dua in Surah Fatiha, what do we say? That oh Allah Ta'ala, I ask that you give me hidayah to the straight path. What is that path? It's a path of people. Alladheena. Path of people, an amta that you Allah, you sent your blessings alayhim on those people. So who are those blessed people? Allah Ta'ala said another verse of Quran, Alladina an amallahu. That who are those people? Alladina an amallahu alayhim, minan nabiyina wa siddiqina wa shuhada'i wa salihin. Who get the greatest blessings of Allah Ta'ala? The anbiya, prophets. Second, who are the second greatest blessed people? The Siddiqeen. The ones who are true. True to Allah Ta'ala. True to Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. True to fellow Mu'mineen. True to their family. True to their spouse. True to their community. True to their friends. True to their children. They're Siddiqeen. Hmm? They're the second most blessed people of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Now, for us as believers, as Mu'mineen, we cannot aspire to become a Nabi. So what is our greatest rank? What's the greatest thing any mu'min can be? One of the Siddiqin. This is the greatest, highest attainable rank for any believer today is to try to become one of the Siddiqin. So Allah Ta'ala loves the Siddiq so much that a person who has the Siddiq becomes the highest level of believer. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even in many places in Quran, when Allah ta'ala mentions attribute of anbiya, He also likes to use this word Siddiq about them. That about Ibrahim alayhi salam is Siddiq and Nabi, and about many different ayat, many different anbiya. Khwaja Abul Hassan Kharkani Nabtale, he was great shaykh in our line of Naqshabandi Mujaddadi Silsila. He explained who is Siddiq. What does it mean to be true? So he said that the truthful person is the one who speaks from his heart, not from his mind. No, the truth, real sit comes from the heart of a believer. Why? Because the heart has pure iman. 
So they take the Iman in their heart and they always speak from the Iman in their heart. They are called the Siddiqeen. Then another Shaykh he gave definition that who are the Siddiqeen? They are the ones who fulfill Hukuk. Hukuk of Allah Ta'ala through ibadat and a'mal salih the rights of Allah Ta'ala through worship and good deeds, and they fulfill hukuk al-ibad. They fulfill the rights that anyone and everyone has on them. They are true in all their relationships. They are truly loyal, truly loving, truly devout, truly obedient slaves of Allah Ta'ala, and they're truly loyal and loving and honest with everyone that they're with. These are the Siddiqeen. And Nabi Kareem Sallallahu in one beautiful hadith, he said that if you give me zamanat, if you give me a guarantee of few things, the Prophet I will give you zamanat, I will give you a guarantee of Jannah. What did the Prophet say? Number one, that when you speak, you should speak truly. When you speak, first thing the Prophet said, first in this hadith, when you speak, you should speak the truth. Allahu Akbar. When you speak, you should speak the truth. When you promise, you should fulfill your promise. When an amanat, any trust is given to you, you should honor that trust. Maybe somebody put their confidence in you. Somebody sought counsel in you. Keep their confidence. Maybe somebody put something in deposit with you. Return it to them when they need it. Maybe somebody had some hope in you and you told them, yes, that you would fulfill their hope. Then be true to that expectation you created and follow through and deliver on that hope that you created in that person. All of this is called amanat. Then the Prophet said, then you should safeguard your chastity and modesty, you lower your gaze, and you withdraw your hands from harming others. So if a person did all of these things, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, I will guarantee you Jannah. So it was the first thing the Prophet said, that you should speak truly. Why? So Muhaddisin they wrote when commenting on this hadith, that because if you're untrue, you'll never be able to do these other things. جو بندہ جھوٹا ہے یا امانت میں خیانت کرے گا یا نظر کی حفاظت نہیں کر سکے گا یا اپنا پاک دامنی کی حفاظت نہیں کرے گا جسٹ ڈیو ٹو دا نحوست آف سننگ اللہ اکبر اسٹرین سو وی ڈونٹ ریئلائز سم ٹائمس ویئر ویری لیکس اباؤٹ دس وی لیٹ آر سیلف سلپ وی لیٹ دا ٹنگ سلپ وی لیٹ آر سیلف سین ان ٹروتھ رائٹ دیئر اسٹیپ ون وی ڈسکوالیفائی آر سیلف وی ڈسکوالیفائی آر سیلف فرام دس Nabi prophetic guarantee of Jannah. And another hadith, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that there are three things. That if you have these three things, then you will never ever be affected by any loss in dunya. First hadith was about guarantee of zamanat of akhirah. This hadith, you will never ever know loss in dunya will come over you. What is that? Speak truly, fulfill, be true to all the amanat, fulfill your trust, and abstain from unlawful earning. Abstain from unlawful earning. You will never suffer any real loss in the dunya. So here was the first thing Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. Again, he said, speak the truth. Another hadith Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, that you should take sidq, alayhi bisidq, alaykum bisidq, that you must view truth as incumbent upon you. Why? Because it is taqwa and it will take you into jannah. It will take taqwa and will take you into Jannah. Then Nabi Kareem sallallahu said that you should search for the truth even if you apparently see that your destruction lies in the truth. It means sometimes it happens that you sometimes a person thinks, okay, if I say the truth, I'll get in trouble. If I say the truth, it'll backfire. If I say the truth, things won't work out okay. It may appear like that. 
So Nabi Akram sallallahu said, no, speak the truth. Even if it might appear to you that it will backfire, you should speak the truth because Allah Ta'ala has put all nija'a, all salvation, all success exclusively in being true and speaking the truth. So then, the Mashaikh, they also mentioned this term falah. So there's a term falah, hayal al-falah. Kad aflaha al-mu'minun, ulaikahum al-muflihun. So what is falah? So the ulama, they wrote that falah is, consists of four things. That if you have four things, you will have falah. Falah means, I did define first for you. Falah means that success after which there is no failure. That victory after which there is no loss. That happiness after which there is no sadness. Falah means that qurb with Allah Ta'ala after which there is no bod. Hmm? That nearness to Allah Ta'ala after which a person never becomes distant from Him. That's called falah. How do you get the falah from four things? Number one, sidq. Again, first thing that is mentioned is sidq. Second is haya. Third is husnul akhlaq. To have good character, beautiful character. And fourth is shukr. Sidq, haya, husn of akhlaq, beautiful akhlaq and shukr. If a person does these four things, they will get falah. They will get the ultimate falah, which is Jannah. That dukhul after which there is no khuruj. Hmm? That admission into Jannah after which they will never be taken out again. The Imam Ghazali, he mentioned a beautiful thing, that there are six levels of sidq. Six levels of being true. First level is that a person's tongue should be true. What they say should be true. What they speak should be true. So if we lie then our amal will not be of benefit to us. Second, he says a person's niyyah should be true. Niyyah. Their intention should be true. What does that mean? They should have ikhlas. That everything they do, mukhlisin al-luhuddin. Everything they do is only and only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we'll explain this to you. That Nabi Akram sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in hadith, that if a person comes to Allah on the day of judgment, and he said they have mountains of a'mal. And he mentioned this mountain, uh, Tihama, like these huge hills of Tihama. If they have mountains of a'mal, but they didn't have sidq in their niyyah, they didn't do that 100% only for Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala will make it haba'am mansura. Allah Ta'ala will make it like scattered dust. Allah Ta'ala un a'mal ke paharon ko reza reza kar denge. Another hadith, Nabi Akram sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, that who was the first person who will be punished on the Day of Judgment? It's Ajib. First person to be sent to Jahannam will be that Alim and Qari. Allah Ta'ala will call them and ask them that what did you bring in the world? And he said, I was Alim, Qari, I did Khidmat of Deen. Allah Ta'ala said, yes, you did this. But you also did it so you would be famous. That people would say, he's big Shaykh, big Alim, big Qari. Fakad Kiel. Or isi tarah logo ne mein kaha. And so it was said. So the Allah Ta'ala tells the angels of Jahannam that take this person, flip him over and drag him into the fire of Jahannam. Then second person would be called, then what did you do? He said, I was sakhi, I was generous. He said, yes, Allah Ta'ala will do tasdeeq. Yes, you were generous. But you also gave a lot of money in charity because you wanted people to praise your generosity. You wanted to be known and praised in community that you're generous. Fakad kiel. And thus, yes, it was said about you. 
Allah will tell angels of Jahannam, take this person, flip him over and drag him into Jahannam. Then third, Allahu Akbar Kabira, he'll be shaheed. <laughs> he'll be brought in front of Allah. Allah say, what did you bring? He said, Ya Allah, shahadat. I gave my whole life for you. Allah Ta'ala will do tasdeeq. He will say, yes, you gave it for me, but you also, not me only, you gave it for me, not only, but you also did so that people would remember your memory and say that this person was brave and shaheed, faqad keel. And you were remembered like that. Allah Ta'ala will tell the angels to flip the shaheed over and drag him into the fire of Jahannam. Allahu Akbar. Imagine how much Sidq Allah Ta'ala wants. And when we look at this hadith, one thing amazes us. That Ya Allah, okay, he was shaheed. He didn't have ikhlas in his shahada. So chalo, aap shahadat ka amal ko cancel kar lein. Baaki hisab par, baaki amal par kar lein. Usne roza rakha hooga, namaz par hooga, umrah haj kiya hooga. Ho sakta achcha shohar tha, achcha baap tha, kehte ki nahi. Kisi cheez mein nahi dekhna. Ye jo ikhlas mein kami thi, pehle jahannam mein ja kar is ikhlas ki kami ke liye jalega, phir aayega, phir mein baaki ko dekhunga. Allah Akbar. Can you imagine? Ya Allah, that person was generous. Okay, fine, he did it because he wanted people to say he was generous. Cancel the sadqa. Just cancel it, right? And let's look at the rest. What did he do? Maybe he prayed, he paid He paid zakat secretly. Maybe he was a nice person. Maybe he did khidmat. Allah says, no. Isne diya kyun First he will burn in jahannam for that. Then when that is purified, then he will come and then I will look at the rest of his heart. Allah Akbar, okay, he was alim. Okay, fine, he wanted people to praise him. He wanted to be known as big sheikh. Okay, then cancel all of his teaching of ilm. Look at what else he did in his life. Hmm? Allah says, no. First test will be ikhlas on day of judgment. So Imam Ghazali said that this is the second level of sidq. Sidq to be true in niyyah means mukhlisin al-huddin. Ab batayin, hum min se kaun itna bara alam bhi hai? Koi shaheed bhi nahi hai, hum abhi zinda khare bhaethe hai. Haan? Kaun itna sakhi hai? Hum? Hummare sab kya hoga? Hum? sochna chahiye, darna chahiye, kaapna chahiye. We should be scared that what's going to happen to us on the day of judgment if we don't have this sidq. Then he comes third. That a person, he calls this sidq fil azam. Azam means your irada, your intent for the future. That you should be true in all of your future plans. You should never, okay, I'm true now, but you plan to do something wrong in the future. You plan to do a bit something shaky in the future. No, you have to be true. So example, Imam al-Ghazali gives, is that Sayyidina Umar, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, when Nabi Kareem Sassam passed away, even before, right instantly, you remember he got so excited and he couldn't believe it. First, he couldn't believe that Sayyidina Rasulullah had passed away, right? And Sayyidina Bakr Sikh had to recite ayah to him and remind him. Okay, after that, when he finally realized that Sayyidina Rasulullah passed away, it came to terms with it, right? And then some other people saw, but they told him that you should leave. He said, no. He said, I can never lead when Sayyidina Abu Bakr is alive. It's not possible. Means he's saying, for the whole rest of my life, for the whole future, I can never truly ever imagine I could be a leader as long as he is alive. This is Sidq fil-Azam. He had an azam irada that in the future he wanted to be true. Then Imam Zahir says, Wafa fil-Azam. Wafa, what does it mean? That they are loyal. 
they remain true all the way to the end. So we give you another example that one is one type of azm is nikah. Nikah is azmun jazib. It's a firm intention a person makes. It's a very strong thing that that woman who was before totally haram on you, you are going to take Allah Ta'ala's name and follow the sharia and sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi sallam and make her halal on you. That's an azm. And then now, what Allah Ta'ala said to God, وَآشِرُوهُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ Allah Ta'ala gave men. In fact, this ayah doesn't have the reverse. This ayah is only telling husbands that they must keep their wives in the most noble and excellent treatment. That's an azm. If anybody, any mu'min who believes in Qur'an does nikah, he does it matat hadhil ayah, he does it underneath this verse. That he is making an azm and a promise to Allah Ta'ala that he will keep his wife well. Now how many are true in that promise? So this is the fourth thing, wafa. That all the way, their whole life, they are true to Allah Ta'ala. That's why if you see the ayat in khutbatun nikah, it's all about taqwa. Ya ayuhun nas, ittakullah, khalakakum min nafsin wahida, wa khalaka minha zawjaha, wa bathu minhuma rajalan kathira wa nisa'a, وَاتَّكُلَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامِ That Allah is going to ask you about the spouse. Allah is going to ask you about these relatives. إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ رَقِيبًا Allah Ta'ala is extremely going to watch you how you treat her. First recite this ayah and then see if they can do nikah. یہ آئیے خطبت نکاح میں بڑا روب ہے. ہمیں تو پتہ نہیں ہے. اس دن تو لوگوں کا ہوش نہیں ہوتا ہے. हाँ एक और होश है एक और जोश में हाँ हाँ वो जोश भी बराबर है मगर एक होश भी लता दिला में नहीं समझे इंग्लिश मीन्स यू हैव अनदर डिजायर व्हेन यू गेट मैरिड बट अल्लाह ताला वांट्स यू टू आल्सो हैव दिस फियर ऑल थ्री आयल्स थ्री आयल्स इन सुन्नत बट ऑल अबाउट निका इत्तकुल्लाह हकतुकातीवलातुमुतुनाइलावंतुसमुन � Azam, Allah Ta'ala is training us. You're about to make a big, big azam. Big pact with Allah Ta'ala. You want to make nikah with this woman. You're going to take the name of Allah and she'll be halal on you. Hmm? This is another type of sidq. Now how many of us can say we have this level of sidq? Hmm? Maybe most of us can say I'm true and call. Hmm? But how many of us, how many of our wives would say this about us? Put it that way. Ham to shayad khud apne baare mein gawai dene ke liye how many of our wives would say this? Hmm? That he is Siddiq. It's not even Sadiq. He is Siddiq in the Azam and he's been Siddiq in his Wafa on this Azam for the 10, 20, 30 years we've been married. That's called Siddiqin. Hmm? That's called Siddiqin. Fifth, he says that you should have Siddiq in A'mal. Then Imam Zahid describes this. What does it mean to be true indeed? That exactly how you act publicly you act exactly the same way privately. If you pray really relaxed, two sunnahs after Maghrib Salah in Masjid, when you're at home, you pray two rakats in the same relaxed manner. And if your public and private is different, if there's tafawat, any difference, discrepancy, he says that's not sitk, <laughs> that's untrue. Untrue. Allah Akbar. Ajeeb Imam Ghazali Ramtale. Huh? Very bariki nazar se ye mashayik tirbiyat karte te. You're seeing how Imam used to train his students how to have sidq. How to have sidq. Amar Mishai kehatein ke jalwa aur khalwa mein koi farq na. It means 
outwardly, apparently, publicly, and privately, secretly, at home, you should have the same type of taqwa. Same taqwa. And sixth, sixth he says that when a person has these five things, when he has these five things, then what happens? He says that Allah Ta'ala gives him the maqam. Allah Ta'ala gives them the maqam. This was the ayah, huma siddiqoon. Allah Ta'ala makes them siddiq. From these five, they became sadiq. And the sixth level is to become siddiq. That's not kasbi, that's wahbi. You can't become siddiq. You can try your best to do all this, become sadiq. If you're truly sadiq, Allah Ta'ala will make you siddiq. If you truly try to be true in every way that you can, Allah Ta'ala will make you of those who are super true. Allah Ta'ala will make those of you who are truly true. Allah Ta'ala will make you of those who are deeply true. So the sixth level of Siddiq is a gift from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. It's a gift from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Now if you look at the Siddiq in Qur'an, Allah Ta'ala has mentioned many things in Qur'an. Many things in Qur'an. So here we brought a lot of things for you today. But I don't think we've been able to do everything. Here there's one famous ayah in Qur'an. It's called Ayatul Bir. Ayatul Bir. Laysal Birra. That bir is close to taqwa. Bir, you can say, this means piety. Trueness. True piety isn't just that you face, that you face east or west. No. First thing is that you have to have iman in Allah SWT. First thing about being true is that you have iman in Allah. And you have iman in the last day. Alright. Then, Wal-malaikati, wal-kitabi, wal-nabiyyina, that you remember, you have iman in the angels, you have iman in scripture, you have iman in all the prophets. Then, wa-atal mala ala humbihi. Here now it starts getting difficult. Wa-atal mala ala humbihi. That you give charity out of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does it mean? You love the money, but you love Allah more. You love Allah ta'ala more. So you love to give that wealth for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who do you give it to? The wal-qurba, wal-yatama, wal-masakina. You give it to some of your relatives or those who are orphans or those who are poor. Up in the Sabil or the traveler. Wal-sa'ilin or anyone who asks you for this. Wal-fin-raqabi or that person who is mm, slave or in prison. Wa-aqam salata and you establish salah. Wa-atal zakata and you pay zakah. وَالْمُوفُونَ بِأَهْدِهِمْ إِذَا آهُدُوا And you are true to your covenant and pledge, true to any deal, true to any word. That the person should say, بَسْ آپْكِ بُولِي مَرْلِي كَافِيَ آپْنِ اپنِ بُولِي دِيَ That you gave your word is good enough for me. That's how true you are to your word. People used to talk like that, our elders. They used to say, بَسْ مَنْ بُولِي دِيَ بَعْتَوَا مَنْ آپِيْتِ نَفْسَكْتَ People can't talk like that that much anymore. They cannot present their word <laughs> like that. But the Siddiqeen, Sadiqun, Siddiqun, they're like that. That their word is good enough. That you are patiently endure and still remain pleased and love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all difficult times and hardships. These are the ones who are having Siddiq. These are the ones who are true. And these are the people of taqwa. On this long verse of Quran al-Kareem, Allah Ta'ala mentions everything. Now there's another way to look at Siddiq. One way is to be true with oneself. One way is to be true with oneself. What does that mean? Not to sin. Like Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, Alladheena asrafu ala anfusihim. Alladheena zalamu ala anfusihim. 
that they did zulm to themselves, they did israf to themselves, they wronged their own selves by sinning against the commandments of Allah Ta'ala. So another way is to be true to oneself by making yourself obey to Allah Ta'ala. So some of us we have this problem, some of us we might be true with others, but we're not true with our own self. So we're a nice person, but we miss Fajr Salah. We're a nice person, but we skip some ibadah. We were a nice person, but we still do bad nazri. So we're doing zulm on our own self. <laughs> we're true with others, but untrue to our own self. Can you imagine? Another problem. Hmm? True to others, but untrue to our own self. Then there's others who have this problem. They may be untrue to others. This is called tatfif. Woe, calamity will befall the people who do tatfif. Allah of Tafsir wrote this, A tatfif means that you don't give the full measure. You don't do due diligence. You don't do the best that you can. You don't do the proper thing. And this can happen in anything and everything. It can be with work, that you don't do due diligence at work. You don't perform to the best of your ability. You're not as good in the shop as you should have been. You're not as good in the office as you should have been. You're not as good in the clinic as you should have been. You don't prepare well for beyond as you should have. Every field, every field, that you don't perform to the best of your ability. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Allah Ta'ala has mandated, prescribed for us ahsan, virtuous nobility, excellence, in everything that we do. Allah Ta'ala Allah wants to give us Jannah. Huh? Allah Ta'ala has kept a very high standard. So this is something that if you don't do whatever you do to the best of your standard, or you're not with your family to the best of your standard, you're not with your friends, neighbors, colleagues, partners to the best of your standard, anything in this is tasfif. So then that person is not true with others. And there's a third type of sidq. True with oneself, true with others, Third said to be true with Allah. To be true with Allah SWT. What does that mean? To love Allah Ta'ala as He deserves to be loved. To fear Allah Ta'ala as He ought to be feared. So Allah Ta'ala had to say in Quran, وَمَا قَدْرَ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ hmm? They did not truly appreciate, they did not truly value Allah Ta'ala as it was His right over them. اِتَّقُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ تُقَاتِهِ have taqwa as it is Allah Ta'ala's right. If a person doesn't do that, they're untrue. They're untrue to Allah Ta'ala. Hmm? Then tell me, if they're true to others, will it be of any benefit to them? That they're great boss, great neighbor, great friend, but they're not true abd? <laughs> hmm? Can that untrue, the truthfulness of their other things erase this untruthfulness? Not possible. I'll give you your own example. If you have a son, and he's a terrible son to you, disrespectful son to you, disobedient son to you. But if he tries to tell you, but look, I'm a great husband to my wife, I'm a great father to my children, I'm a great person at work, everybody loves me at work, my neighbor loves me, friends love me. You say, Beta, But he says, no, I'm the truest husband, truest father, truest friend, truest neighbor. You say, you're an untrue son to me. <laughs> The fact that you have every other truthfulness in the world can never substitute for your being untrue to me. Correct? So same thing will happen on Day of Judgment. That you can bring every other truthfulness in the world, but if you're untrue to Allah Ta'ala, 
if you're untrue to Allah Ta'ala. Hmm? And then the fourth type of Sidq, to be true to Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. To be the true follower of his Sunnah. So what does that mean? It's not just this. Sunnah isn't just this. It's also this. <laughs> and in fact, if you have this and you don't have this, you're untrue. Yes, if you have this and you do things that Nabi Kareem Sallallahu would never do, you talk in a way he would never talk, you do something doesn't befit him, you have this and you smoke, untrue. No, no, it's untrue. You're a stain on sunnah. You're a shame on the sunnah. Yes? Now some random person smoking, even then I would try to tell them, okay, don't smoke. But you look like this. I saw it today. Hmm? White beard, full white beard, topi, jubba, everything. Smoking. I saw it today. I keep seeing it over and over again in this community. I don't know what's happened to the Muslims of UK. Hmm? Untrue. You're untrue to sunnah. You're a shame on the sunnah and standing right in the road where everybody could see because I also saw. Sharmi hmm? Now some of you may be thinking, ye kya baat hai, mufti sahab to kehte ke haram nahi hai. Maybe mufti. Humalana? Huh? Alright. So I'll tell you new fatwa. New fatwa for you. Don't look at whether it's haram or makru. Look at, could you ever imagine Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam doing this? If you want to be true, true ummati. If you say, no, 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 I can never imagine. I'm sure all of you would say, I can never imagine Sayyidina Rasulullah, he says, na'udhu billah, even smoking one cigarette. So if it doesn't befit your Nabi, it doesn't befit you. That's called true ummati. True ummati would be true. This is untrue, untrue, untrue sunnah. It is rawaiti sunnah, rasmi sunnah. Hmm? If you speak in a manner to your wife that Nabi Kareem Sallallahu never spoke in his life to Umahat al-Mu'mineen, this doesn't make a difference then at that moment. At that moment, it make a difference. You're untrue. And your children, they see that. Some of your children come to me and tell me this when they grow up. Yeah, my father, he looks like this, but he talks to my wife like that. <laughs> oh, you were disservice to Sunnah in your own home, in your own family, in the eyes of your own sons and daughters. <laughs> You are shaming the sunnah and you are staining the sunnah. Untrue. So if we, this is the greatest sidq to be true with Allah Ta'ala and to be true to Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. How true? Very simple. Be as good an abd to Allah Ta'ala as good a rabb he is to you. This is ikhlas. Jitne achhe wo humare rabbe itna achhe bande bane. That's it. Now, if you think you think Allah Ta'ala is so-so rab hai, then you will become so-so rab hai. Huh? La hawla hawla kote hum Allah. That's Allah Ta'ala has given you everything. He has kept you here. He has kept you here. Everything you have. Some of you are elders, so you are immigrants, or sons of many immigrants. You came to this country seeking dunya. Sidi si baat hai. No problem. If you had some hardship at home, you came here looking for ease for the sake of your children. But which Allah Ta'ala gave it to you? It's not your traveling here, your hard work here, you made business here. This is the wrong way of talking. You say, Allah Ta'ala brought me here. Allah Ta'ala gave me risk here. It's all the karam and fazl of Allah Ta'ala. This is the story you should tell your sons. As opposed to sitting your son down and saying, I came here, I worked hard, I earned, I made the business, I set up the shop, I, I, I. Huh? Yeh kaise bol hai? Huh? I can't talk like that. 
Say, Allah Ta'ala brought me here, my son. Allah Ta'ala gifted us with this. Allah Ta'ala gave us this shop. Allah Ta'ala gave us this risk. Allah Ta'ala gave us this home. Oh, my son, you should be grateful to Allah. That's the way to train your children. To be as good an abd to your rub, as good a rub he was to you. <laughs> oh, Allah Ta'ala tells even the atheists in Quran, Ya ayyuhal insan ma gharraka bi rabbikal kareem. <laughs> Allah's kareem with you. So imagine if Allah's kareem with insan, imagine how kareem Allah's with mu'mineen. Hmm? Then, how does it mean to be true to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Same thing. Be as good an ummati to him as good a nabi he was to you. Very simple. Jitne achhe wutamare nabi, utne achhe tumunko ummati bana. That's it. Ab nauzubillah, you think he's so so nabi, al aman al hafiz mandalik. May Allah Ta'ala save us from such a crazy idea. If you think he's so so nabi, you also follow so so sunnah. No problem. But if all of you know, he was my greatest Muslim. Harisun, Allah Ta'ala says in Quran that Nabi Akram is crazy mad about you. Huh? Yes, he's crazy mad about you. He used to rise up in the night and make dua for you. We're ummat. We're that ummat that he made dua for. He used to shed tears for you. Hmm? He was willing to give his own life. He didn't lead behind. He went to Badr himself in order to defend the deen so that the deen would reach you. He's willing to give his own life in Badr and Uhud so deen would reach you. Hmm? So then... Sidq with your Nabi, to be true Ummati to Nabi Akrim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, be as good and true an Ummati to him, as good and true a Nabi he was to you. That's simple. The young men, they don't understand this. They're too busy being true fans of football and truly following this celebrity and dressing like this one and having haircut like that one. No, no, no. What's the matter with you? You already have someone to look up to. You already have a role model. You already have a beloved. You already have an ideal. لَكَنْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا You are ummati of a Nabi. <laughs> this is a major thing to accept somebody as your Nabi. It's finished now. That's it. You've given your heart. It's done. <laughs> your whole heart and life is done now. When you said shahada and you believe in Nabi Akreem sallallahu alayhi wa So that's another type of sidq. Another type of sidq. So now, who had this greatest level of sidq? They were called Sahaba Ikram. Sahaba Ikram, radiyallahu ta'ala, anhum ajma'een. They had so much sidq. So much sidq. All Sahaba are siddiqeen. All Sahaba are awliya. All Sahaba are muttaqeen. Ajeeb. Allah Ta'ala gave so much to Nabi Akram sallallahu Look at Sayyidina Musa alayhi Just read Surah Baqarah. And you will see what type of Sahaba he had. Huh? It's amazing. Hmm? Allah Akbar. And Sayyidina Musa Islam is one of the greatest after Nabi Akrim Sassam, Isa Islam, Musa Islam, Islam, three greatest Anbiya. Hmm? So look how much Allah Ta'ala gave. Sahaba ki shan malamote jab surah bakra ki tafsir patte. Each and every Sahabi was from Siddiqi. So we just want to tell you the story of one Sahaba tonight. That's it and then we're done with you. One Sahaba. One Sahabi of Nabi Akrim Sallallahu Look at his Sidq and what are the lessons of his life. So his name is Sayyidina Qab ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So true. True Sahabi of Nabi Akrim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So now listen to Hadith. That long Hadith 
It's a hadith, but in the sense it's in the Sahih of Bukhari, but it's actually more about the story of Sayyidina Ka'ab ibn Malik, that it has some event that takes place in the life of Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So what happened? So Sayyidina Ka'ab ibn, uh, ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says that what happened, I'll just tell you the background. So there was a ghazwa, uh, battle of Tabuk, and so Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wa went with Sahaba Ikram to on this jihad. And what happens is that Sayyidina Ka'ab ibn Malik he stays behind. He ends up staying behind for some reasons. So he tells his own story. He tells his own story. He says, I remain behind. He says, first, I was never ever left out of any ghazwa in my entire life of being sahabi except once. And that was in the ghazwa of Tabuk. In the ghazwa of Tabuk. All right. Then he says that what, that what happened is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had gone out, uh, the Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had gone out in search of the caravan of the Quraysh, the Kuffar. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had the Mu'mineen and the Quraysh meet in battle. It wasn't predicted before. So the Prophet went out and the Inqamah didn't know when will Nabi Akrim and Sahaba catch up and meet up with the Quraysh, the unbelievers. So Sayyidina Ka'bah ibn Malik, what did he do? He said that, okay, I will join. He kept thinking to himself, I'll, he had near to go. He said, I'll join tomorrow. I'll go out. The Sahaba have gone earlier. He said, I have a fast steed. I can ride quickly. I'll catch up with them. This is what he thought. I'll catch up with them. Let them go ahead. I'll catch up with them later. Because there wasn't any fixed date for this jihad. Right? And what happened was, before he knew it, Nabi Akrim Salaam and Sahaba Kram, they came back. <laughs> They came back to Madinah Manawra and actually they had already engaged and they had successfully engaged. So what happened that he says why? He says that I had two she-camels and at the time of this ghazwa, whenever Nabi Akrim Sallallahu used to, prior to this point, make a ghazwa, he used to hide his intentions so that the unbelievers couldn't find out. So that the spies from the Munafikun would not be able to find out. Okay. And what would happen is that only at the last moment, when it was time for that ghazwa, the Nabi Kareem Sallallahu would go out and battle even in severe heat, even after a long journey, even engage in the middle of the desert, even if the enemy were in great number. But in this case, Nabi Kareem Sallallahu announced clearly and openly that we have to go for this ghazwa and announce that on this day we will be departing. So I thought that this is something different. I thought to myself, this is something different. So, and then he said that Nabi Akrim Sassan mentioned clearly also where we will be going. And he also had a great number of Sahaba Ikram who were intending to go. So then he said that, okay, he said that while Nabi Akrim Sassan and Sahaba Ikram were preparing for that ghazwa, I also started to go out in order to get myself ready along with them. But then I, every day I would return without having fully prepared. And I would say to myself, it's okay, I can get ready. I kept delaying it every now and then until all the other Sahaba come, they got ready. And the Nabi Kareem Sassam, along with the Sahaba, they departed. And still I wasn't prepared. And I said, no problem, I'll go tomorrow. Then I said, I'll go the day after and then I will join them. And it says in the morning after that they left, again I made niyat, that okay I'll get ready and go today, but again I didn't go. Then the next day again I made niyat to go today, and again I didn't go. And he says, such was the case with me every day until they ended up engaging the enemy so quickly and they returned and the battle was missed by me. So even though I had niyat to go, I never, I wasn't able to go. And then I was wishing I had done so. I was wishing I should have just gone. Okay. 
So he says, then whenever I used to walk around the people, when the Biyakrinsa was there, when it had already gone, I would be grieved. Because I could see none of my friends around me. And I could only see only people who were accused of nifaq munafikun. So I used to think that, am I one of those people who has nifaq? Because I'm not one of those elderly either. That was excused from this ghazwa. So then he says that Nabi Karim Salam didn't remember me until he reached Tabuk. And when he reached Tabuk and he was sitting, later people told him this, that when he was sitting with the people, he said, where's Kab? He asked about me. Where's Kab? And then some man of Banu Salama, he told the Prophet Ya Rasulullah he has been stopped by his two garments and looking at himself with pride. What does it mean? That he said that he's gotten too wealthy, too rich, he's gone soft. So then he says that Muad ibn Jabal defended me. So then Muad ibn Jabal, who is his friend, he defended me. And he attacked that person, from scolded that person. And what a terrible thing you said. And then he said, By Allah Ta'ala, Ya Nabi Akrim Sassam, I swear that we know nothing about Kaaba ibn Malik but good. And then the Prophet remained silent throughout this conversation. Then Kaaba, he's telling this whole story himself. Then Kaaba ibn Malik, he says, that when I heard that Nabi Akrim Sassam and Sahaba were on their way back to Medina, because some advanced people came, I found out that it's all done, they're coming back to Medina Manawra. I got concerned. And I began to think, and I began to think, maybe there's some excuse I should make. And I would say to myself, how will I see the Prophet How will I face the Prophet when he comes back tomorrow? So I took the advice of a senior elder in my family. And that senior elder told me that when Nabiya Kareem comes, when Nabiya Kareem comes, you should present some uzr to him. You should present some reason, excuse why you didn't join in the Ghazwa of Tabuk. So that's what the elder told me. So when the Prophet came back, everything left my mind. And I just went blank. And I couldn't face Nabiya Kareem Wasallam. And I knew that, but I knew well, that I could never come out of this problem by telling an untruth. Now this is why the story is here. I knew in my heart that the solution can never be untruth. Even though people are advising me, say something he said, no, this much I knew that I can never speak an untruth. I will never... So then he says, then I decided firmly to speak the truth. So Nabi Karim Wasallam arrived in the morning and it was the practice of the Prophet Wasallam that whenever he came back from a ghazwa, he would first go to the masjid and he would sit in Masjid Nabi. And he would sit and he would say, Hal, ahwal He would ask how things were when he was in absence. People would come to meet him and greet him. So he sat. And he would first offer two rakats to Hiyutul Masjid. And then he would sit for the people to come to meet him. So when he did that, then he says that all the other people who were also failed to go for the ghazwa, they started coming. And each one presented some excuse, some uzr in front of Nabi Akrim wasallam. False. He's suggesting here that they made some false bahana, right? Okay. Then he says there were over 80 men. 80 men came one after the other to Nabi Akrim and presented their bahana. And Sayyidina Rasulullah accepted all of their excuses and showed no expression of displeasure. And then he made, took their bayah again and he asked Allah Ta'ala to send his forgiveness on them and he left the secrets of their hearts for Allah Ta'ala to judge. So he's watching this whole process. He said that I came to him. He says, now I went up to Nabi Akrim Wasallam, and when I greeted him, he smiled the smile of an angry person. Ajib, it means like a forced smile. Just, hmm, I don't know, I don't, I can't even do it. Right? He smiled the smile of an angry person. Ajib, Kavan Malak, the way he's explaining. 
Allah Akbar, he smiled the smile and he said, come here. So I came and I continued walking until I sat right before him. And to me, Nabi Akrim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that, O Kaab, what stopped you from joining us? Had you not purchased an animal for carrying you? I answered, yes, Nabi Akrim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But I swear by Allah Ta'ala, if I were sitting before any person other than you in the world, then I would try to protect myself from your anger with an excuse. But by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, and he says this, that he thanked the Prophet by Allah ta'ala, you know, Nabi Akrim Sassam, that I have been bestowed with the power of speaking eloquently and fluently. And I knew well that today, if I was to come up with an excuse to regain your favor, Allah ta'ala would make you angry with me in the near future, and this path of falsehood would never work. So therefore, I'm going to tell you the truth. Even though I know you will get angry with me because of it, but I hope for the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala. And he tells the Prophet he swears, by Allah, wallahi, there is no excuse, there is no reason why it didn't come. And then he says, and I swear by Allah Ta'ala, never in my life was I stronger than I was when I could have gone with you. Never in my life was I wealthier that I had could purchase the best camel and armor than in this Ghazwa of Tabuk. He actually says that to Nabi Akrim Sassam. So Nabi Akrim Sassam then announced to all the people, as regards this person, he has told me the truth. Then he goes back to Kaab ibn Malik and says, Now Kaab ibn Malik, you get up and you go until Allah Ta'ala decides your matter. Until Allah Ta'ala decides your matter. So Kaab says, I got up and many of the men of Banu Salma, they came up to me and they followed me and said that, Oh Allah, we never witnessed you doing any sin in your life. You failed to offer an excuse in front of the Prophet ﷺ as all the others offered before you. So when Allah Ta'ala prayed, when the Nabi Akram prayed to Allah Ta'ala to forgive you, inshallah you will be forgiven. So some people gave him consolation that it's okay, don't worry. So he says, but still others, they started blaming me. The others who had presented excuses that you made us look bad. How to some bahana pesh Or to ki koi bahana so the others started blaming him and others were upset with him. So he said, they continued blaming me so much that I almost went back to the Prophet ﷺ and to present an excuse. To tell him that I was lying when there was no excuse and there really is an excuse. That's how much pressure they put on me. Hmm? Allah Akbar. But then he says, no. But I said to them that, look, is there anybody else who has met the same fate that I have that the Prophet Allah will decide their case? He said, yes, there are two others like you who went to Nabi Akram and said, we have no excuse. So the three of you total, three of you accepted that there was no valid excuse or reason. All right. So who I asked that, who are they? They said, from Murad ibn Rabi al-Amri and Halal ibn Umayyah, radiyallahu ta'ala anhumah. So then Kabul Malik says that they mentioned to me two pious men who were Badri Sahabi. These two Sahabi Akram, Sayyidina Murad radiyallahu anhumah, Sayyidina Halal ibn Umayyah, were Badri Sahabi, who had participated in Badr. He accepted Iman after Badr, so he wasn't Badr Sami. So I thought, okay, this is a good example for me. So when I realized that there were two others who also told the Prophet there was no excuse, I didn't change my mind, and I didn't go back to the Prophet and pretend there was an excuse. Then, Nabi Karim Sassam told all Sahaba that not to talk to any of the three of us. All Sahaba were forbidden to talk to us. Boycott. Allah Akbar. All Sahaba were forbidden to boycott us. So he says that we kept away from the people, and we also kept away. And he says, then they changed their attitude towards me, and they treated me like a stranger in their midst. 
They treated me like a stranger because Nabi said, don't talk to them. He also said, ignore them. <laughs> ignore them. So he said, I was now a stranger in the midst of my own Sahaba Ikram. Then he says, we remained in that condition for 50 nights. 50 days. Allah Akbar. Nabi Karim said, not talking to them. All Sahaba not talking to them. All Sahaba ignoring Sayyidina Kaab ibn Malik with a 50, 5 Hamseen. Allah Akbar. 50 nights. So then he says that as regards those other two, Badri Sahaba, he said they remained in their houses all 50 nights and the sound of their weeping would be heard by people. They just kept weeping and crying all 50 nights. He says, I was younger than them because I was younger. I wasn't there in Badr. So I was younger so I used to still go out and try to meet with the people. And I used to still pray Salah in Masjid Nabwi. Hmm? I used to pray Salah in Masjid Nabwi. Hmm? So the other two, they remained in their house. And I used to go and still pray Salah in Masjid Nabwi. Hmm? And I used to still go to the markets, but no one would talk to me. Then I would sometimes go to Sayyidina Rasulullah and say Salam to him when he was sitting in his majlis after Salah. And sometimes I would think, did the Prophet move his lips returning my Salam? Means Nabi would even return his Salam. I would imagine to myself that I was imagining that Nabi Karim said, maybe he slightly said salam to me. I would think this to myself. Allahu Akbar. Then I would try to offer my salam near him. Hmm? And I would look at him stealthily, secretly. Then when I was busy with my salah, I would feel that maybe he has turned his face towards me. I would feel that maybe he is looking at me. That whenever I would then look at him, he would turn his face away from me. Allah Akbar. Ajeeb. Then he says, when this attitude of the people lasted long, then it goes on, he says, I walked till I scaled the wall, I climbed the wall of the garden of my cousin, Sayyidina Abu Qatadar Billetanu, who is my dearest friend. And I offered salam to him, and verily by Allah, he did even he did not even return my salam. Allah Imagine, Ajeeb loneliness. Hmm? To be living with the Prophet and Sahaba in Madinah Munawra. And for 50 nights, no Sahabi even will say salam or even return your salam. Allah Akbar Kabeena. Hmm? So then, when he didn't return my salam, I said, Oh Abu Qatada, my best friend, my cousin, I'm begging you by Allah Ta'ala. Don't you know that I love Allah Ta'ala and I love Nabi Akleem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Still Abu Qatada kept quiet. Kaabun Mark says, I asked him again. I again took Allah's name. Again he remained quiet. A third time again I asked him. So Abu Qatada, Abu Qatada responded to me and he said, Allah and His Prophet know better. Allah wa Rasuluhu a'lam. Allah Ta'ala wa Rasuluhu a'lam. Allah Akbar. He wanted the, can't you do tasdik? Somebody tell me that yes, I do love Allah Ta'ala. He said, no, I can't. I can't tell you that. Allah Ta'ala's Prophet says, no best. Allah Akbar. So he said, then my eyes started flowing with tears and tears and tears. My eyes were flowing with tears that my best friend, my cousin. Then he says, once I was walking in the market of Medina Manora, and then I saw a Christian, a Christian, Nabati, from the Christians of Syria. And so this Christian from Syria, he came to me. He used to come to sell his wheat and things in Medina Manawra. So he started asking people, who will guide me, lead me to Kaab ibn Malik? So people began to point me out to him. 
So when they pointed me out, so he came to me and he said, I have a letter from the king of Ghassan. I was amazed that his letter for me. So I read the letter and the following is written. That to begin, I've been informed that your friend, Yani Nabiya Kareem Sassam, is treating you harshly. So why do you want to keep living at a place where you're being treated harshly and you have lost your rights? Why don't you come join us and we will honor you? He says, when I read this, I said to myself, this is also a test. And then I took the letter to the oven and I burnt it in the fire. I was so upset that why is somebody writing me a letter like this? Hmm? I burnt it in the fire. Then he says, when the first 40 of the 50 nights passed, then there came to me somebody, Nabiya Karim sent a messenger to me. And they said that the Prophet is ordering you that you should even stay away from your wife now. Even you must stay with Kishi Sahabiyat. You must stay away from your wife now. Allah Akbar. It's all long hadith in Bukhari Sharif. So he said to that person who came, he said, okay, ask the Prophet, what does he mean? Should I divorce her? He asked, does the Prophet, does this mean I must divorce her? Or what should I do? So that person, he said, that Sahabi said, no. Don't divorce her, but you cannot be with her, speak, be with her like husband and wife, and you also cannot speak to her. And Nabiya Kareem Sassam sent the same message to the other two, those other two Sahabi. So then, Kaban Ramad narrates, he says, okay, I said to my wife, that okay, look, you go live with your parents. You go live with your parents and remain with them till Allah Ta'ala gives his verdict in my matter. So he says, and my wife went to her parents. Then he says that Halal ibn Umayyah, his wife went to Nabiya Karim Sallallahu and said, Ya Rasulullah Hilal ibn is a very old man, very old Badri Sahabi, and he needs my khidmat. So do you want that I shouldn't do khidmat of him? So Nabiya Karim Sallallahu he told her that no, you can do khidmat of him, but I don't want there to be any display of affection, any contact between the two of you. But you can serve him. So she said, okay, she went back to serve him. And she said, no, and then she responded, Ya Rasulullah he has no interest in me. Ever since you stopped talking to him, he has never stopped crying until this day. So then he heard that story about Halal Nimeya. Then he said that one day my family members came to me and they said that they told me the story that look, Halal ibn Umayyad and those wife has gone and gotten permission to serve him. Will you also ask your wife to go to Prophet and ask permission to serve you? So he said, no. I won't ask her to ask Nabiya Karim for permission to serve me because I'm still a young man. So I'm not in the same condition of Halal ibn Umayyad. Then he says, those last 10 nights were very difficult. 40 and then plus 10 more. So that I remained in that state for 10 more nights. Until 50 nights had now passed from the time when Nabiya Kareem Sassam and all Sahaba stopped talking to me. Then he says that when I offered Fajr Salah on the 50th morning on the roof of one of my houses and while I was sitting in that condition after praying Fajr Salah, which Allah Ta'ala describes in Quran, that I will show you in a moment. Allah Ta'ala is going to describe his condition in Quran. He says, my very being, I felt that I found it difficult to live anymore on this earth. And it felt that all of the earth had narrowed up and closed on me. Then I heard the voice, calling a voice of a sahabi, calling with his loudest voice, O Kaab ibn Malik, be happy, be happy, receive good tidings. I fell down and sajda in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I realized that the glad tidings had come. And Nabiya Karim announced that our tawbah had been accepted by Allah ta'ala after 50 days. Then he said, Sahabi started coming to meet me. 
to congratulate me. Then Sahaba started going to those other two also, Sahaba Ikram, to meet them, congratulate them. Then he said, a rider came on horse to me in haste, and a man from the Bani Aslam came to me running, and so many Sahaba Ikram were trying to run and tell me that Allah Ta'ala has, has made Elan and that He's forgiven me. So he says that now I took, I brought my clothing, and I dressed myself in the best of my clothing. And then he says that I borrowed two even good pieces of clothing, and I wore them, and I went to Nabiya Kareem Wasallam. And on the way, all my friends, Sahaba, were meeting me, congratulating me, that Alhamdulillah, Allah has accepted your repentance. And he says, when I entered Masjid Nabi, and I saw Nabiya Kareem Wasallam sitting, and the Sahaba were sitting around him, then Sayyidina Talha, he came swiftly to me, and he met me, and he congratulated me, and khair, because he was young, he was from Ansar. So he says, I still remember on this day that none of the Muhajirun got up for me except for Sayyidina Tala radiyatanu, and I will never forget him for this. Right? So I will never forget him for this. Then Kaab then he continues. Like when I greeted Nabiya Kareem Sasalam, the face of the Prophet was radiant and bright with joy, and he said to me, that be happy today, O Kaab. This is the best day of your life ever since your mother gave birth to you. I said to Nabi Yukrim, the Ya Rasulullah is this forgiveness from you or is it from Allah Ta'ala? So Nabi Yukrim it is from Allah. And then Kaab ibn Malik said that Nabi Yukrim smiled so much, he says that whenever Allah Ta'ala's Messenger became happy, his face would shine as if his face was just like a piece of the moon, and his face started shining in front of me like he was a piece of the moon. Allahu Akbar. Then he says, when I sat before him, then I said, Ya Rasulullah now that Allah has accepted my tawbah, I will give up all my wealth, I want to give all my money in charity. That money that had made me lazy, that I was saying, the ulama of hadith say, right, that what happened was that Sayyidina Kaab ibn Malik was involved in some agriculture or business, and he was thinking, let me just wrap this up, and then I will join Sahaba. It's okay, I have a fast horse, I will reach them. It's unknown whenever they will engage the enemy. So he kept delaying because he wanted to wrap up this thing. He didn't have any bad niyat. He had niyat to join. He thought he could wrap it up and join. So this is actually what happened. So he's realizing for the sake of wrapping up one more deal, I actually lost out on this opportunity. And now he realized that for 50 days he had to suffer. So he said, so Sayyidina told him in response, that no, Keep some of your wealth because it will be better for you. So then he said that I will only keep that wealth I got as my share of Malik Ghanimat when I was Mujahid in Khaybar. Because I still am happy about that, that I participated in the battle of Khaybar and I got Malik Ghanimat. So that's the only wealth I was keep. And then he said to the Bikram, Ya Rasulullah Allah Ta'ala only forgave me because I told the truth. So now as part of my tawbah, I am going to make myself firm on this and I will always tell the truth as long that I am alive. Then he says that I swear by Allah Ta'ala that I do not know any one of the Muslims whom Allah Ta'ala helped in telling the truth more than Allah Ta'ala helped me, that when I told the truth that day, Allah Ta'ala made, um, ultimately, after 50 days, Allah Ta'ala, made, Allah Ta'ala forgave me and made Nabiya Kareem Sassam forgive me. That ever since I've mentioned that truth, I have never ever sent a lie. Then he says that Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse about me and the two, So those three who remained behind, and then the situation came upon them like the earth became tight around them. Right? So this is the verse that Allah Ta'ala reveals about them. And then Allah Ta'ala 
that they, the whole earth straightened upon them because of what they did and even their own selves tightened and constrained and their view is that there is no place for me to turn, no salvation, no rescue from Allah Ta'ala except by turning towards Allah Ta'ala ثُمَّ تَابَ عَلَيْهِمْ Then Allah Ta'ala relented towards them لِيَتُوبُوا إِنَّ اللَّهُ هُوَ التَّوَابُ الرَّحِيمُ then Allah Ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanatukullaha wa kunu ma sadiqeen. This is when Allah Ta'ala said this. That, oh, you have iman, you must have taqwa. You must fear Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Why put yourself with these sadiqeen? Because these sadiqeen are so beloved to Allah Ta'ala, so blessed to Allah Ta'ala. So this hukum to follow the sadiqeen is after the story of Sayyidina Ka'ab ibn Malik. So it means sidq is the door to Tawbah. The niyat of sidq is the door to tawbah. So that is why when we want to make true tawbah, we have to make this niyyah. That, Ya Allah, I want you to forgive me for sins. I want to repent to you. And I want to be true to you. I want to be sadiq and siddiq. I want everything I do in my deen from now on to be true. That may Allah Ta'ala accept us on this night also to make this niyyah. That we want to make true tawbah for all of our previous sins. And that we want to be the truest mu'mineen we can be, loyal mu'mineen, loving mu'mineen, and the truest ummati to that truest Nabi Akreem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa akhiru da'wana, and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.